Happy Friday to all. You know what that means. Yes, the weekend's coming, but also it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's great to be with you, and believe it or not, it is once again that time, time for Freeform Friday. Um, these five-week uh, months kind of creep on up on us, but I really like them because it gives us a chance to share things that don't really fit into our regular schedule. And one of those things uh, that we've been able to share with regularity um, is a hymn story. And I'm going to let Adam give us our hymn story for today. It's called He Leads Us Along. The author of this hymn, God Led Us Along, was a little-known preacher whom we only knew as preacher and carpenter whose fame only came after he was already dead. He spent a lifetime humbly serving the Lord with his wife in small rural churches of the USA. He was so poor that life for him and his family was a difficult one. His name was George A. Young. The story of the life of George A. Young was brought to light by a man called Haldor Linnaeus, founder of a great music publishing company who was born on the small island of Bergen, Norway on November 19, 1885. The life and testimony of this man led to some historical research about this hymn, God Led Us Along, and God Leads His Dear Children Along. It is said that around 1942, Haldor Liliness, the Bible stands wonderful, grace of Jesus, decided to track down George Young's widow and find out more about this song. He got an address in a small town and driving there, he stopped at a gas station to ask for directions. When the attendant saw the address, he said, why, sir? That's the country poorhouse up the road, about three miles. And mister, when I say poorhouse, I really mean poorhouse. Not knowing what to expect, Liliness made his way there. He found Mrs. Young, a tiny elderly woman in surroundings that were far from congenial. However, she radiated, radiated the joy of the Lord and spoke of how he'd guided her and her husband over many years. Then she exclaimed, Dr. Liliness, God led me here. I am so glad he did, for for you know, about every month someone comes into this place to spend the rest of their days. So many of them don't know my Jesus. I'm having the time of my life introducing them to Jesus. Dr. Liliness, isn't it wonderful how God leads? Oh, absolutely. And that is the story of God leads us along. And um, I am a little emotional just. Uh, listening to that story, um, it's just interesting how God can change the perspective of someone or, or more accurately color our perspective to the point that we know that even though times are hard, that God is in control and he does lead. Uh, even in the poorhouse, she was able to say that um, God leads. And I found, find it very uh, close to what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians um, chapter 4 when he said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And when he wrote that, he was sitting in a jail cell. And rather than the jail cells that we see now uh, at the Kent County Correctional Facility or a similar facility that are clean and where you have a bunk to sleep on and three squares a day, this was most likely a dungeon chained between two guards, and yet Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And so I just have 
Um, uh, I just thought of that in conjunction with the story, and we did not have our quote of the a quote of the day at the beginning of the show, so that um, will become this week's quote of the day: "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say rejoice. And that's from Philippians chapter four, and the hymn story actually comes from a WordPress blog by Austin Hebe. It's called Not One, and we will have the link on our blog for this episode for Freeform Friday for the month of October. So look up this episode, and you'll find the link, along with the link for the music, which was also found on YouTube. I don't own the rights to these things, but I always try <clears throat> to direct you back to the source so that they can get some publicity because I really do appreciate um, their contributions even when I'm not able to reach out to them and let them know that I would like to use their material. So please, when you hear of, of a link of something that I'm using on the show, let them know how much you appreciate it because that will help us to maintain good relations and hopefully um, they will be happy that we use the material and, and not be upset and that's just a little PSA inside of here and I hope that you will again take advantage of all the links that we have now this uh, this month for our Freeform Friday we do not have a moment with the whole chef um, my brother Bartholomew has been very busy and was not able to put one together for us this month. But look for that in our next five-week month, which off the top of my head, I'm not recalling what month that will be, but we will be in 2016, uh, most likely when that occurs. Of course, now that I think about it, it might be December. But we do have um, some other things that we'd like to share. And the first one is a short video um, that I found on, uh, that was posted on Facebook about moms. And the reason why I bring this up is because anybody that's listened to the Speaking for Him podcast for any length of time knows that I have a spot in my heart that's very soft toward the family. And I think that we need to acknowledge, uh, especially moms who, make a lot of sacrifices on behalf of their children. Um, and especially since uh, this role has been constantly uh, downgraded by the feminist agenda, we need to make sure that as the church, we are being, uh, we are, we are being, uh, we are showing our gratitude and we are letting people know that they're not alone and that we appreciate the sacrifices that moms make. So moms, this video is for you. I'm a perfectionist, and so that's hard with kids. There's definitely days when I have my doubts about my abilities. I struggle with my temper. I struggle with, like, how I react with situations. I wish I knew how to, I guess, just calm myself before speaking to them. I wish I was better at taking time to sit down and just listen more to my child. I wish I was more confident 
and being a mom. I'm not the most patient person in the world. Patience. Patience is far and away probably the biggest struggle. I just want them to know just how much I love them. My mom is totally awesome. He's fun to snuggle with. Pretty funny. She does cook a lot of food for me. She's just unique. That's why I love her so much. We go on dates together. Like, we go shopping. She loves me a lot. I have a lot of favorite things about my mom. We like to watch movies together and color and stuff. We go to church together. We volunteer together. She is like my heart, I guess you could say, because she's that close to me. My favorite thing is to jump on a trampoline with my mom. That's my most favorite thing to go up high. We like get ice cream or something and like you go to the nail salon and have fun. <laughs> my mommy's my hero. She's pretty and beautiful. She is my hero. She just will care about me and just always love me forever. She's the best. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> I always seem to focus mostly on the negative, and I guess I can walk out here and say that I'm doing something great, and that my child is viewing me in totally different lenses as I view myself. So that's, that's inspiring. This is my calling. This is my job. This is what I love to do, and I will do it better and with love each and every day because those kids count on me, and they love me for what I'm doing. All right, and there you have it, uh, a short tribute to moms. And I know it's it's nowhere near Mother's Day, but I think mothers need to be affirmed more than one weekend a year. And so I hope that this video will help you to think about your valuable role in the lives of your children. Um, there's a passage in Proverbs 31, and it talks about... Um, the woman of virtue and it says that her children will arise and call her blessed and sometimes when you're in the throes of young parenting when you have four kids under six i know that it might seem overwhelming but eventually there will be a payoff and um your kids will be grateful for the sacrifices that you've made on their behalf all right well, uh, we're going to uh, do something fun here, um, and then we'll turn a corner, and I have a very important video to share with you toward the end of the show um, before my final thoughts. But, um, Adam, you said that you had something that uh, you would like to share with us, so why don't you go ahead and do that? I do. So in our technical world, we have all these new phrases out there now. We have 
uh, selfies and hashtags and tweeting and all these crazy things. Like, you know, my grandparents still think tweeting means something a bird does. So <laughs> there is a new thing out there besides a selfie stick, which, Andrew, have you seen one before? I have seen one not up close and personal, but I've just seen uh, social media blow up with stories about selfie sticks. They've already been, been banned <laughs> from Disney World. Uh, and a matter of, and uh, actually, I don't want to steal your moment. So uh, just in case you're going to reference what I think you might be referencing, I'll, I'll, I'll refrain. I may come <laughs> back with something after you're done. Go ahead. Well, a new product has been released within the past couple months, if you haven't heard about it yet. It is called the Selfie Spoon, of course, because we needed this. Uh, have you? I don't know if you've seen this yet, Andrew, or not, but it's a spoon. And the end of it, the opposite side of where you put your mouth in, you extend the pole out, and it becomes a selfie stick. And it's a way that when you're <laughs> eating soup or cereal, you can take a picture of yourself, and you can post it. Um I don't know who in the world came up with this idea, <laughs> and I need to talk to them right now for a very long time. <laughs> well, well, I, I heard about the selfie shoe, so I can't say that the selfie stick <laughs> or the selfie stick spoon necessarily surprises me. I'll have to look up the selfie shoe, and <laughs> depending on what I can actually find on the internet, may include links to the selfie spoon and the selfie shoe. So that people can actually look at the insanity that is the American people <laughs> these days or or maybe across the world. Who knows where the selfie spoon was actually invented. But um, some people have way too much time on their hands <laughs> is what I will say. And if you didn't think the world was that close to ending as it is, it is actually sold out. So I'm on their website right now. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, what is the website? It is... Um, cinnamoncrosstouch.tumblr.com slash selfie spoon and you can uh, order right. one this Christmas once they get in a, a new you said, shipment you said cinnamon toast crunch yeah cinnamon toast crunch okay. dot tumblr dot com slash selfie spoon so did it have any did it, does it say anywhere how many they had in their initial shipment I'm just kind of curious I don't know I'm going to quick look if an employee took a selfie of the selfie spoons and see if there's any left because um, that's kind of interesting that it would sell out that quickly, but people go gaga over oh, they new do. technology. The other thing that I was going to say, though, that I thought maybe you would reference and you didn't, so I'm going to go ahead and say this. I heard recently that I believe it was 2014, more people died from failed selfies than they did shark bites. I heard about this a while back, yeah. and. So I think that fits very well in with this selfie spoon idea yeah. <laughs> and selfie whatever else uh, you may think of. But that's just crazy. It's, it's crazy that you think that you need a selfie that badly. You know, I mean, I guess the idea is that it, it's so cool to um, have your selfie in a dangerous situation, but they don't always think about the possibility of falling off a tower or being trampled by a bull. Because I guess somebody tried it in the running of the bulls. That's true. In Spain. <laughs> so. Oh, jeez. Well, here's the thing, too. If you're eating a bowl of cereal while in the race <laughs> of the bulls, <laughs> you can't tell me you didn't see that coming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, good people grief. take pictures of their food. I actually do have a food and travel blog, which I do not update with very much regularity. But I do have that. But I don't think I need a selfie spoon. <laughs> Just throwing that out there although if it shows up under my christmas tree i guess i won't refuse it <laughs> all right
right, well, uh, my slice, if you will, to borrow a term from a familiar podcast, uh, the relevant podcast, I'm just going to give them a plug since I use their word, is, remember last time we did Freeform Friday, we talked about sweets across the USA. Yes. And today, rather than kill a tree, I'm just going to read... Um, read off of my phone here and let me see now it's not okay here we go i'm gonna we're gonna look at uh some of these foods across the state i'm just gonna look at a couple of them and what they did was there's this list um that has uh foods that are supposedly representative of each state so i'm just gonna Pick out a couple here and talk about them, and then Adam is going to do the same. Um, apparently, the pork chimichanga is popular in Arizona. In Arizona, the legend goes that a burrito was once accidentally dropped in the fryer, and the crispy meat-filled chimichanga was born. So I did not know that the chimichanga originated there. Uh, it's kind of funny because in one of the Shrek movies, there's a line where they got where they're looking at a battle map. I think it's in an alternative reality, and the lady, the girl that's in charge, uh, Fiona, in the alternate reality, says, "What is that?" And the one guy goes, "It's a chimichanga stand." <laughs> so that's what I often think of when I think of chimichangas. And then, uh, let me see what I can find here that's that's a little original. Well, key lime pie, of course, is Florida. Peach pie is Georgia. And actually, a lot of these aren't that um, surprising and unique. Um, but here's one. Kentucky is a... Called the Kentucky Hot Brown, which is an open-faced turkey sandwich topped with bacon and Mornay sauce. Ooh, now we're talking. And I'm not sure what Mornay sauce is, but uh, it does look good from the picture. And again, I'll have this list on the web, uh, on the blog, for you to look at yourself. So, Adam, in in perusing this list, um, what sticks out to you? Well, I got to give Michigan a quick plug in case you're wondering. Uh, it's the Michigan, uh, I believe it's a pasty. Is it? Yes, it is called the pasty, and it's like a like a kind of like a meat pie in a way with veggies in it, and it actually actually looks pretty good. A couple that really kind of got me confused though was uh, Vermont uh, cheddar cheese apple pie. I don't think those two things should be riding the same car together, if you know what I mean. So that's, I, I don't know about that one either, but I've heard of that before. I mean, I would try it. I wouldn't be against trying it, but it's kind of odd how uh, cheddar cheese and apple pie went together, and I, I think they grow apples in Vermont, so I guess that makes sense. But um, another one uh, was California fish tacos. Uh, that's one I don't think I would try, not so much, but it makes sense because they're by the ocean, so something seafood-related. And then uh, another one, too, was uh, was Iowa. Not a shock, but the way they make it, it's Iowa grilled sweet corn on the cob. So they, they grill it. They don't boil it like we do a lot of times here in Michigan or maybe we wrap it in tinfoil. They just put it right in the grill, and they, they fire up, and 
they have some grilled corn on the cob from the land of corn. Yeah, there. anyway, there's a bunch of interesting stuff here. Um, and there's even a Washington, D.C. treat, which is the chili half smoke. Um, in D.C., giant smoky half hot dogs are split. All right, giant smoky hot dogs are split in half, grilled and piled high with a chunky chopped onion chili. A capital meal indeed. And then there's a bonus, uh, which is the election cake. <laughs> so it says celebrate your democratic spirit by baking this historic yeasted bunk cake, a spiced holiday bread that meets coffee cake, covered in confectioner's glaze. And of course we will share this link on the blog and each state has a food that's represented as well as the recipe for that meal. So it might be fun especially to try some of the more bizarre ones. And as I was telling Adam, because Adam Adam does crockpot cooking. Yes. I'm not sure how many of these would translate to the crockpot, but that might be an interesting experiment in and of itself. <laughs> but we will see if if we try any of these, we may come back on a future Freeform Friday and let you know how that went down. So, well, it's been a good episode. We've had some fun. We talked about selfie spoons, and we talked about food across the nation. Um, we had a great hymn story. And now I want to share with you a, a video. Um, and this video is a very serious video, but it's a very good video. It's a little bit lengthy. It's a little over six minutes. But number one, I'm not good with editing. Number two, there's no way to edit anything out of this video it's very important i know people might be a little sick of me in a way talking about life issues but this is just so important folks this is this is the difference between life and death and for all those people like a lot of times when we talk about abortion um we kind of separate ourselves even as pro-lifers from the issue and we say well we don't really think about the personhood. We don't really sit back and think about the true personhood of the people in question. And we really need to. So this video is a recent testimony before Congress. One of at least two such testimonies um, that were given, I think, within the last couple of weeks. Um as the Congress is debating whether to defund Planned Parenthood. And let's get one thing straight here, too, before this starts. We're not talking about closing down Planned Parenthood, although I would prefer that that happen, because there are pro-life agencies that do the exact same thing, and probably more than Planned Parenthood does. But we're talking about defunding them. We're simply saying that we, as the American taxpayer, do not want to fund this work, especially when they do things like what you're about to hear about in this video. If you have young kids in the room who you don't want to hear this, you may want to send them away, but this is too important not to share. So with that being said, here's Gianna Jessen. Good morning. My name is Gianna Jessen, and I would like to thank you so much for the opportunity to testify here today. My biological mother was seven and a half months pregnant when she went to a Planned Parenthood and was advised and 
they advised her to have a late-term saline abortion. This method of abortion burns the baby inside and out, blinding and suffocating the child, who is then born dead, usually within 24 hours. And there should be a photo <laughs> there. Yes, this is what I survived. Instead of dying, after 18 hours of being burned in my mother's womb, I was delivered alive in an abortion clinic in Los Angeles on April the 6th, 1977. You can see a photo as well of my medical records. Um, my medical records state, born alive during saline abortion, 6 a.m. Ha! <laughs> Victory. Thankfully, the abortionist was not at work yet. Had he been there, he would have ended my life with strangulation, suffocation, or leaving me there to die. Instead, a nurse called an ambulance, and I was rushed to a hospital. Doctors did not expect me to live. I did. I was later diagnosed with cerebral palsy, which was caused by a lack of oxygen to my brain while surviving an abortion. I was never supposed to hold up my head or walk. I do. And cerebral palsy, ladies and gentlemen, is a tremendous gift to me. I was eventually placed in foster care and later adopted. And hear me clearly, I forgive my biological mother. Within the first year after my birth, I was used as, as an expert witness in a case where an abortionist had been caught strangling a child to death after being born alive. Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, said the following, the most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Planned Parenthood is not ashamed of what they have done or continue to do, but we will have to give an account as a nation before God for our apathy and for the murder of over 50 million children in the womb. Every time we falter, encourage as individuals, and fail to confront this evil, I wonder how many lives have been lost in our silence while we make sure we are lauded among men and that we don't offend anyone. How many children have died and been dismembered and their parts sold for our ego, our convenience, and our promiscuity? How many Lamborghinis were purchased with the blood of innocent children? The blood that cries to the Lord from the ground, like that of the blood of Abel. Not one of them, ladies and gentlemen, is forgotten by him. I would ask Planned Parenthood the following questions. 38 years later, I would ask them these questions. If abortion is about women's rights, then what were mine? You continuously use the argument, if the baby is disabled, we need to terminate the pregnancy, as if you can determine the quality of someone's life. Is my life less valuable due to my cerebral palsy? You have failed in your arrogance and greed to see one thing. It is often from the weakest among us that we learn wisdom, something 
sorely lacking in our nation today, and it is both our folly and our shame that blinds us to the beauty of adversity. Planned Parenthood uses deception, the manipulation of language and slogans such as a woman's right to choose to achieve their monetary aims. I will illustrate how well they employ this technique with the following quote. The receptivity of the masses is very limited. Their intelligence is small, but their power of forgetting is enormous. In consequence of these facts, all effective propaganda must be limited to a very few points and must harp on these in slogans until the last member of the public understands what you want him to understand by your slogan, Adolf Hitler. We often hear that if Planned Parenthood were def defunded, were to be defunded, there would be a health crisis among women without the services they provide. This is absolutely false. Pregnancy resource centers are located nationwide as an option for the woman in crisis. All of their services are free and confidential. They can be reached by texting helpline to 313131. There is access to vital exams for women other than Planned Parenthood. We are not a nation without options. Planned Parenthood receives $500 million of taxpayer money a year to primarily destroy and dismember babies. Do not tell me these are not children. A heartbeat proves that. So does 40 ultrasounds, so do I. And so does the fact that they are selling human organs for profit. Do not tell me this is only a woman's issue. It takes both a man and a woman to create a child. And to that point, I wish to speak to the men listening to me. You are made for greatness. You were born to defend women and children, not to use and abandon us, nor sit idly by while you know we are being harmed, and I am asking you to be brave. In conclusion, let me say, I am alive because of the power of Jesus Christ alone, in, in whom I live, move, and have my being. Without him, I would have nothing, and with him, I have all. Thank you. Oh man, that's I've watched that probably three times at least, maybe more, and it still gets to me. I could not believe for one second in my logical mind that there are people out there that would defend the practices of this organization. I was telling a friend today, I said, you know, there's been a long time that I believed this. I said a while back, I don't know if I said it here or if I said it on a video or whatever, because I do produce a lot of content these days. But I said this, I grew up in a Christian home where the pro-life ethic was preached to me from a very early age. I watched my parent, parents live it out as they welcomed 12 children into the world. And they let us know that God pays for what He delivers. And then I went to work 
for Right to Life of Michigan, 100% pro-life. By the time I left, I was 500% pro-life. And I realized that we need to not just say that we're pro-life, we need to act out our pro-life convictions. And I realized that I've been far too silent on this issue in days past. I'm sorry to disappoint any of you out there, but this will never be a second-tier issue with me. Nothing else matters if you don't have life. And you just heard a testimony from a young lady who survived abortion. She lived. And in order to live, she had to be alive before the abortion started. Are we getting this clearly? Do we understand this? I hope to God we do. God said in Deuteronomy, he said, Today I have set before you life and death. Choose life. I know we've ended on a somber note. But I hope that as the contact information rolls at the end of the show and as you look at the blog and you soak up this information and this video will be on the blog, that you will contact me. That you'll give me your feedback. Even if you don't agree with me, I want to have a dialogue with you. And if you have a pro-life organization and you'd like for me to come speak on this important topic, I would be glad to do so. One of the problems with this issue is that the politicians say that this is a religious issue. It's understood to be a religious issue. We don't want to touch it because it's because politi- it's religious. And then what do the pastors do? They often say, well, this is a political issue. I don't want to touch it because it's political. More than being political, more than being biblical, it's a moral issue. I shouldn't say more than being biblical. The Bible's most important. But other than being biblical, other than being political, it's a moral issue. And our society will not stand if we can't get to the point where, it, where it's unconscionable, where it's illegal. You know, people say, well, it's legal. And they act like the legality of it makes it right. But slavery was legal. The Holocaust was legal, but that didn't make it right. I will leave you with that. I just want to encourage you to go forth with courage and boldness and to, as always, keep serving the best. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, 
H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com slash Speaking For Him and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 